Welcome to this episode of The Art of Self-Belief. With me today, I have Naivasha. She is a celebrity hairstylist, originally from Memphis, lives in New York. She is a mom of five and her clients include Alicia Keys, Tracy Ellis Ross, Yara Shahidi, Lupita Nyong'o, Tandy Newton, Simone Biles. I could keep going. I mean, that list in itself is pretty insane. Um, if you've seen any of Alicia Keys's most recent looks where she's been sporting these long, jeweled, bedazzled ponytails, that is all Naivasha. That is her vision. Yet she is also pretty low key. Like you don't hear so much from her um, on a personal level. Um, she kind of keeps herself to herself for the most part. So I thought it would be really interesting to bring Naivasha into the texture lounge to talk about her journey of insecurities, uh, getting to the point of believing in herself and talking about wellness, self-love, and how she continues to build her self-confidence. For anyone out there who is an introvert, who is artistic and doesn't quite know how to put their work out, anyone out there who struggles to, who is struggling to build a name for themselves, who struggles with connecting socially, networking, I really want you to listen to this episode and, and share this with anyone out there who you think might be going through the same thing. So, as always, come on in. I've got a seat waiting for you. So, how are you in general? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. I'm um I'm eternally grateful right now to mm. be back in the in the zone. I'm feeling super creative. Um, again, I'm feeling very grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm feeling relaxed. You know, it's. It's a time where either you could feel grateful and relaxed or you could feel overly anxious and devastated. And I, I just don't think of everything that's going on with the world right now that any of us should be in a, in a devastated mindset. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, we can't, we can't perform um, at our maximum state if we're not thinking clearly and we can't think clearly under anxiety. I'm happy that I finally have you, um, quite honestly. I think that, um, you know, you, your work is always, has always been inspiring to, you know, a lot of us out there because, you know, you touch the hair of, you know, not only because you touch the hair of so many celebrities and you get lots of, you know, editorial work through, um, you know, the papers and magazines that we, that we love so much, but your talent. Right. And the reason why I reached out to you is because I wanted to do an episode about the art of self-belief. And I have definitely heard you on a few lives. And obviously we've met in person a couple of times. And I just thought that in terms of beauty and in terms of, you know, just talking about starting from one place in life and, you know, being in a completely different place in life. And we can talk about that later. Um, I just thought, I think Naivasha would be great for this. Thank you, Timmy. So I think the last time I saw you was, it was the Texture Beauty Jam, right? That tippy shorter. Okay. That was awesome. You cut some shapes. I tell you, you cut some shapes into that hair. I remember like filming you and like zooming in to this like asymmetric bob that you were cutting on stage to some jamming music. And I was, 
she was in her element. I was like, Navasha is in her element right now. <laughs> you want to know a secret, though? What? I am terrified to talk in front of people. And Shut I'm terrified. Up. No, you're not. I am. I talk, like, literally gives me chills. It makes me nervous. Um, when I have to do, like, videos. Yeah. I have a really close, close friend. And she pep talks me before I start filming. Mm-hmm. Because I have such a phobia of the camera mm-hmm. and listening to myself. And it hasn't been until like this last month that I have actually listened to myself talk. Oh, really? After all these yeah, years I, of doing interviews like, and stuff? I don't even like to watch myself talk. I've only watched myself on video maybe a couple of times. And it's, it's been lately because I'm trying to learn more about me and be comfortable with myself mm-hmm. um, and not, not pick myself apart yep. and just love on me a little bit more so that I, I can exude that in front of the camera and I won't be so hard on myself. So yeah, doing texture jam was difficult. Wow. I sat on that email for a very long time before I actually answered it because I was trying to convince myself that it was okay. So interesting. I never, I never would have known that just based on, but listen, I think that there's, and I could be wrong, but I I hopefully I'm right on this one. I do fit. Are you an introvert? Kind of. Huh? Like I don't, I don't really socialize. I've never been to a club before. Um, Naivasha. Literally I'm in my mid forties and I have never been to a club or a day party. What? I can't believe this. Never been to any of those situations where it's like a million people uh-huh. in the room. I'm always that girl where I'll just look at it online and go about my business because I don't like crowds. Listen, I completely resonate with that. I mean, I have been to the clubs <laughs> before, but I've never enjoyed them. Listen, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. Yeah. I Already I resonate a lot with what you're talking about because I avoid crowds. I prefer to be at home or in the comfort of, you know, a few friends versus being out in crowds. I do not enjoy presenting. I have to do it so much in my job and I've had to in the last 10 years within, you know, my job, but it's not something that comes natural to me. Like if I have to get on stage and do a presentation or whatever, I need to be on my own like 30 minutes before that moment and get into my zone. I can't see people. I can't have conversations. Right. I don't don't know if you've noticed this or not, but if you if you research me on any level, whether it's via social media or whether it's just like within the within the immediate industry space, you will find very few, very few behind the scenes pictures of me because I don't like when people take pictures of me. Wow, Naivasha, this is amazing. So you really are the best person to have on this podcast for this art of self-belief. Like, I didn't know. Amazing. Okay, okay. Keep going. Like, I have two assistants. I have one that's Eric Rosado, Mm -hmm. whom I love, I adore. I've known him for over 10 years. And I have Kristen Anderson, which is like my baby baby. Um, Mm -hmm. Kristen is the only one that I allow to take pictures of me because she understands angles and she's a woman. Eric, I do not want him taking anything. Not a video, (laughs) not a picture, 
not a BTS, nothing, not even a picture of my hand. Because he, he takes like the weirdest angles and it always makes me feel so uncomfortable and mm. so insecure mm. <clears throat> because I've spent my entire life being insecure about who I am, like from my talent to my academics to my, mm. uh, my exterior to how I express myself. Like I've spent all 40 plus years being incredibly insecure mm -hmm. and very um, pulled back and I'm not very flashy at all. Right. And um, when he takes pictures, I love him dearly, but when he takes pictures of me, he ignites those insecurities within me. But mm -hmm. when she takes pictures of me, it makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel beautiful like I should feel. It makes me feel like, oh, I, I'm I'm worthy to be here. Well, I hope Chris isn't going to discover that you don't like him taking pictures on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, he knows, sorry, right? Eric, sorry, Eric, that you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I'm even more intrigued to kind of get into this topic with you. And thank you so much for your like your vulnerability. Like you've come, like already in the opening, you've you've really shared that you know, um, what your fears have been and your insecurities, um, yet you create the most beautiful art, um, yet you are connected and, you know, work really closely with incredible celebrities, um, you know, who want you and who want your hands and who want your art, right? Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but let's, let's start at the beginning. So your name, Naivasha. Yes. So listen, I don't know if you've ever heard an, um, any of our episodes, but I always start with this question because I just think okay. it's important. And yes, I've heard your episodes. Okay. So that's cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think it's just so important. I think a lot of us forget how important our names are. You know, we hear them every day. So we don't kind of hold value to them. Sometimes we forget that our names were given to us usually for reasons and there are usually meanings behind them. Um, so I, I love to ask my guests, you know, if they know the meaning and story behind their name. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you that question, Naivasha. I do know the meaning behind my name and I, and I know um, where it came from. So nice. My name is Naivasha and Naivasha is this very beautiful city within Kenya which, as we all know, mm. Kenya is a part of Africa. Yep. Now, Lake Naivasha is where my father pulled my name from mm. because it's the most beautiful lake Amazing. on the outskirts of Kenya. Okay. And so at the time, he was traveling because he was military, mm -hmm. and he shared that with my mom. And so they decided that they wanted to name me Naivasha, because okay. they felt like I was going to be beautiful. And my dad had this love fest with Africa. <laughs> and I personally have a love fest with Kenya. So mm. it, it's just, I don't know, it's just like full circle. And it's just totally within me. And my name feels so perfect. And so that's why I don't really like to associate my name with any other name. I just go by Navasha. Got it. Like that's how it's pronounced. Don't shorten it. It has a meaning. Yeah. It comes from a very specific place. So don't mm -hmm. truncate it. I love, I love that. I'm glad I asked you that question. Thank you. I love animals. Like I love zebras and I love giraffes and I, 
I love elephants and I, I, I just love everything mm -hmm. that, that rests in Africa, like even from the skin to the culture and the hair and the beauty and the fashion. I just love all of it. Mm -hmm. And to know that my name came from that place feels so good. It feels empowering. It feels liberating. It, it, it feels powerful. And so um, I'm really proud of my name. Here's what I'm going to say, right? Like just going back to how we started this episode and you were sharing yourself and your, you know, um, insecurities, if I was to use your, your word, you know, you just said how powerful, like you described your name as powerful, right? Yeah. Like it has, yeah. it's rooted in power in Africa and all the things that you love and my little, my little two cents to you on this Friday, I guess, afternoon for you on the East Coast is whenever you have those moments of self-doubt, just remind yourself where the root of your name comes from. And you might get that little power search, you know, that little feeling of, yeah. you know, it's okay because yeah. this is where, this is where the root of my name comes from. And I always believe that we become what our names mean. Yeah, I didn't think about that until this moment. So thank you for that gem. No worries, no worries. I just thought I'd share. Okay, <laughs> so listen, I want to do a quick check-in because obviously we're still, gosh, we're still in this world of COVID-19 and we're still um, in quarantine and lockdown to some degree. How, rather, rather than, de um, you know, deliberating on, on the negatives, I do want to know from you, like, how has quarantine positively impacted you? Like, what have you learned about yourself in this time? Actually, I've learned a few things. Um, and I know this is prob probably not going to be popular opinion, and it's really okay. Mm -hmm. I'm actually grateful that quarantine happened. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that COVID happened. I'm gr grateful that this global pandemic has surfaced and has shaken up what we know is normal. Yeah. Because I think many of us have had the opportunity to sit back and reflect and refocus, mm -hmm. re-energize, um, reimagine. Reimagine. I like that not one. Not only who we are and, you know, what we are and, you know, how we will move forward in, in, in this world and what we should be appreciative of. And for me, I've learned to practice being um, in love with myself, mm -hmm. practice being and being comfortable with sitting in silence okay. and, and, being, and being in a room alone and not feeling overly anxious. And more importantly, I feel like I've gotten closer to my children. Oh, that's awesome. Um, because I see them as respected human beings versus <laughs> my children. Yeah. Uh, I realize that they have a mind. They have an opinion. Mm -hmm. They have a perspective. They have these little, these little pieces of greatness that's just filled up within them that I should learn about yeah. and get to know and, you know, embody as well as them embodying that and vice versa. I think now they understand that I'm more than just mom, that I'm actually a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm actually a creative. I'm actually 
a human being with feelings, not just some disciplinary person that walks around bossing right. people around, <laughs> but that I am vulnerable and I am emotional and I understand that they are vulnerable and that they are emotional and that we all have feelings and we all have something to share with one another. And, and I just feel like had we not had many months to sit home and embrace those ideas <clears throat> that the cycle would have continued of being busy, of being unavailable, of being um, too caught up in being creative and too caught up in working and trying to get editorials and more business instead of learning and loving on who we are to each other. So that's what I have learned and and that I greatly appreciate about COVID. I wouldn't change it for anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually glad that everyone has to walk around with a mask. We all need to wear a mask every day, even when COVID is over. I think we should still wear masks. I do. Honestly, listen, I resonate again with a lot of what you're saying. And, you know, one of the things that we haven't touched on yet really is that you are also a mother, right? You have... I'm a mom of five. Yes, you are a mom of five. <laughs> five. Yeah. And you Hi. travel a lot for work, you know, obviously not so much now during COVID, but, you know, um, clearly this is a very different time, right? You're home yeah. you're with your kids and I love that you're exploring them and the fact that they are all individuals, you know, and yeah. with their own mind and they are also discovering you. Um, yeah. There's a beauty in that shift in mentality, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I spent the bulk of July sitting in my bed crying every single night mm. because I was so upset and just very emo and kind of depressed or or um, feeling the longing to bask and revel in what I do best and that's make art yeah and to know that I couldn't be around the thing that brings me so much joy and the people who bring me so much joy was very um earth shattering for me mm -hmm. um I have not seen my mom in all of 2020 and oh, she's my. like one of my favorite people in the world where is she and uh she's in Memphis she's in Memphis Tennessee got it and um, not being around my clients. And to be honest with you, my clients are more than my clients to me. They're, they are a part of my, my life, and I love, I love them so much. I don't even have a favorite client. I have people ask me that all the time. I know. I, I didn't, even, have, didn't even put it in my list of questions because I know that yeah, it's, we've had this conversation before. Client. Yeah, I don't have a favorite client because each of them brings so much light and so much joy to my world that I could never choose. It's like deciding which child is my favorite. I could never because <laughs> each one of them are so individual. Yeah. And they bring something different to the table. And it's just like the love is different. It's not, it's just not the same. It's mm -hmm. just, it's the same level of love. It's just very different. It, each one of them fill a void. Right. Just like every, each client fills a void. They each fill a, a different creative space within me. And, and so I miss that. Mm. And so I'm just really grateful that things are starting to open up and yeah. I get the opportunity to be creative again and I get the opportunity to see these lovely faces again, although I can't hug them tight, you know, for yeah. 15 minutes like, mm -hmm. like we typically do. 
and like and go cheek to cheek with one another like we typically do and yeah. travel the world like we typically do. But the idea that I'm back in the in the same four walls with them every now and again really feels good. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Naivasha, let's take it back into time a little bit. So mm-hmm. I want to talk a bit about you know, if you can cast your mind back to your childhood household and what beauty and hair routines or regimens looked like back then, are there any rituals that were passed down from those moments in your family that you still do today? Yes. Ooh, my mother blow-dried my hair. Say that again? Never. My mom never, ever, ever blow-dried my hair. I don't even know if we owned a blow-dryer. <sighs> when I was a kid, she would shampoo my hair she would shampoo it, condition it. And I remember specifically, she would put it in five plaits, one on each side, mm-hmm. one at the top that like goes over the left eye mm-hmm. and two in the back. And she would plait it up so, so, soaking wet okay. and she would let it air dry. Mm. Once my hair was done air drying, which is typically like within 48 hours, yeah. then she would press it out. Oh, she would go straight. Okay. So she would skip mm-hmm. the blow dry step. And what was she used to straighten it out? Um, a, a straightening comb on the stove. Okay. Oh, I remember those days. Do you remember the sizzle right by the ear? And she would use, um, is it, I don't want to, I don't want to mispronounce this. It's not crown royal cause that's the liquor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know she wasn't using that on your hair. <laughs> It's crowned something. It's in a red jar with a silver top, and it, the top was embossed, and it was metal. Hmm. I don't know that one. You would part and oil my hair with it. And when I tell you, she would burn the crap out of my scalp, and she would always say <laughs> that that was the grease melting. I'm like, girl, that is not the grease melting. That is you in a stupid comb that is right up on my scalp. <laughs> That is so funny. That is absolutely hilarious. I remember those days. We used to have, um, I used to have my hair um, hot combed as well, you know. It's amazing, right, because, you know, you're talking about your time out here when you were a kid in the U.S., probably Memphis, I'm, I'm assuming, because that's where you're from. Am I, is that right? Yeah. And little old me in somewhere in London. Royal crown. That's it. Royal crown. I, royal crown. Okay. Royal crown. Okay. Love that. Um, But yeah, just, you know, the fact that you grew up with that and I grew up with that routine as well, you know, at home somewhere in London, a lot of us black women um, grew up with that, in that world. The hot comb played a role in our lives. To this very day, I do not blow dry my hair at all. That's fascinating. I do not, when I tell you I do not blow dry my hair, uh-huh. whether it's my weave or whether it's my real hair, yeah. I do not, I do not blow dry it. I only let my hair air dry. Did your mom ever tell you why she never blow dried your hair? I'm do curious. you want to know my, my perception of it is that she didn't blow, my dry, blow dry my hair because she didn't feel like it. Ah, uh, it's work thing to do with anything other than the fact she did not feel like it because I had so much hair yeah and it was so dense but my hair is like baby hair it's like really big loose curls and waves Mm -hmm. all in one Mm -hmm. and it's like a head full of three-year-old hair got it wow so much of it 
and it was literally almost to my butt. And she would never blow dry my hair. Sounds ever. like a lot of work, though. It would have been a and lot of work. It was a lot of work for her. And as, when I was a kid, she always worked a minimum of two jobs because she was a single mom. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so we only saw her before, uh, before we went to school. And she might be there at night if okay. she wasn't working her second job. But when we went to bed at night, most of the time she wasn't there. Okay. She always put the food in the crock pot and that was our dinner, or she would put it in the oven before she went to work <clears throat> in the mornings and have it sitting out on the stove for us ready when we get home. Got it. Okay. All right. So the no blow dry moment has rolled through to your life today. So that's, mm -hmm. that's something that is okay. That's cool. And can you remember any confidence killers that you've had and how you overcame them? Yeah. And I'm still dealing with it right now. Okay. Okay. My whole life I've always had a big stomach so mm -hmm. when I was in elementary school junior high school and high school even at church because we were big in church yeah. everybody used to make fun of me and they used to say that I was pregnant oh god people are so, so mean now I still have a big stomach and so I don't care how much weight I lose it's always like this very weird shape mm -hmm. and so it makes me feel so insecure and that's one of the reasons why I don't like to take pictures or I don't like Eric taking my pictures uh -huh. because the angles are so important to me um, because it's something that makes me feel broken on the inside. Um, um, my body figure. Got it. Got it. And so that's why I wear my hair so big and so long mm -hmm. because it's like a security blanket. It's like I need that to feel safe. Oh my gosh. Like this is really heartwarming, honestly. Like you're being really, really, really honest and transparent about how you feel, Naivasha. Um, I thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like we all have our insecurities, but I, 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 I personally do believe that the more that we are open to talk about them, you know, to people in safe spaces, of course, right? Yeah. It actually starts that healing process that moment it of does. you know self-confidence and you know putting it out there so that the power isn't in that insecurity in itself yeah absolutely thank you for sharing so, yeah, that so that's why that's why you'll always see me with long big hair it, it, it's very rare like <laughs> very rare you can go through all my images that you will see me wearing my hair short I don't think I've ever seen any images of you with short you hair won't. or even with or your hair tied back Right. Hmm. And if it is tied back, it's because I'm at home mm -hmm. and I'm not going anywhere or I'm not before people. Yeah. <clears throat> because I don't, I don't really feel like the silhouette is flattering mm -hmm. and it just, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me feel beautiful. So that's why I rely so much on my hair. I gotcha. There's so much power in our hair. I got you. Yeah. Look, again, thank you for sharing that. So listen, this is a really good segue to this topic of the art of self-belief, which we're talking about today. And I, I just kind of pulled up some definitions online just to kind of level set um, the conversation here. So I'm just going to read a little something that I found through the evolutiongroup.co.nz. So Self-confidence is usually the result of overcoming certain obstacles or by working to improve a skill. Okay. Self-confidence can be learnt. Self-belief, 
on the other hand, is the way you feel about yourself regardless of your achievements, looks, or other things you might feel confident in. So again, just to level set that our conversation there, that there is a difference between, um, well, apparently there's a difference between self-confidence and self-belief. Which I never knew until just now. There you go. I like to, I like to learn things and share those little nuggets. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad it's something that you're <laughs> learning now too. So listen, with that in mind, um, Naivasha, I'd love to know like your defining moment. Like when was that defining moment when you realized, you know what? I'm good at what I do. I've got this. When was that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know what? I felt like I was good at what I do when I was nominated for newcomer of the year by, uh, the hairdresser association. Mm. How long ago was that? The North American hairstyling association. Uh Yeah. Uh Yeah. I was, I was nominated for newcomer of the year. Um, I feel like it was maybe seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. The only black person in the category. Huh. Telling, isn't it? Very telling. <laughs> so you feel like that was the moment for you. You got that nomination yeah, and you were like. It, to, it actually had nothing to do with my blackness, to be quite honest with you. It had more to do with what I'd known and what I had um seen as the epitome of excellence Mm -hmm. within our industry and within our space Mm -hmm. and to know that I sat amongst that felt so good Mm. to be acknowledged by your peers essentially right to be acknowledged by my peers is more refreshing than being acknowledged by a client how interesting because you've been in the industry for how long now um, over a decade. I st- well, first of all, I started back in 1996. Okay. Um, but I don't really consider that being being in the industry. I was just sure. good. You know, I was just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just in beauty school, but I wasn't in the industry. And I honestly don't feel like I became a part of the industry until I started working, not even necessarily in the salon, but once I started doing editorials mm-hmm. and you know, shows and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's to me, that's now I'm a part of the industry. Got it. Because I I think, I think the industry and the lane of behind the chair hairdressers are very different from the industry and the lane of uh, session styling. Yeah, it is. And sort of styling. I think it's two different, it's two different uh, rooms. And at that point, when you were nominated for Newcomer of the Year um, by by Naha seven years ago, who were you working with client-wise at the time? I didn't have any celebrity clients. Okay. Got it. So I was strictly chair and editorial. Got it. I hear you now. I was wondering... I didn't even get to this to be even working with celebrities. I had no idea. That was never my... That was never my dream. Like, that was never my direction. Mm-hmm. My dream was always to be on the fashion side, to be, um, you know, to, to, to be alongside the designers, to be alongside uh, or work within, like, the runway mm-hmm. area 
or to be doing strictly campaigns and strictly advertising. I had no desire to be in the celebrity space at all. It wasn't even something that you had, you dreamt of. It was on my radar. Mm. And actually, I was introduced to the celebrity side via my really, really good friend, which I love her so dearly. She can ask me to go jump off the bridge, <laughs> and she's going to be at the bottom to catch me. Who's that? I would do it, and that's Tippy. Oh, that's Tippy. Tippy. I would do anything for her because she's so special to me. She's awesome. She is. She is. Okay, clear. So we know what your defining moment was. Now, you started off in the world of real estate, right, and finance. Yes. Okay. And today you are a celebrity stylist, and you you weren't even you weren't even aiming to be a celebrity stylist. So, how talk to me about the switch over to the creative side? Like, how did you navigate from? What took you from being in finance and, you know, the, being in the world of property and real estate to, I don't know, working with Alicia Keys and Tracy Ellis Ross? Like, <laughs> help me understand okay. that. So hair, beauty, the arts has always been a part of my life. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, where my grandfather... And my mom and my dad, my uncles, they're very prominent mm. in, my, in my hometown. My grandfather wrote music for the Rolling Stones. Wow. He's a part of um, the investors for Stack Studios. Oh, sweet. He has a music note on Bill Street. Uh, my mother sang backup for Isaac Hayes and Al Green. Um, I came from I a very musical background, so I sang backup for Barry Manilow and Michael Bolton. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, like, I grew up competing in the music sector, uh, being in the studios and doing, you know, recording and doing backup with Yolanda Adams and, you know, nice. all, all these things. Like, music and the arts has always been a part of my life. Mm -hmm. I graduated from a performing arts high school. I had many, many scholarships to pretty much every um, music industry university that you could think of from Berkeley to Philander Smith, you name it. Like okay. I've, I've always been in the music and arts sector, um, always drawing and painting. That's like, that was always my mm -hmm. thing. So I was the girl at school who was very creative and did everybody's hair and everybody's hair for prom and all of the neighbors. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was the neighborhood hairdresser. Okay. So after high school, instead of going off to college and going off to the university, I, A, got married, mm -hmm. B, went to beauty school. I hated it, did not like it. Okay. And my entire family, though they're a part of music, they're also very prominent in the real estate sector. My grandmother was a real estate broker. Mm -hmm. My mom's a real estate broker. She has pretty much every single accreditation in real estate that you that they had to offer. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, um, my ex-husband was on the legal side of the real estate industry and was an investor. And so it was just a part of me. You I know, see. this is what we do. Yeah. And that's where the money was at yep. the time. True. Well, well, when the real estate market crashed, I just didn't want to be bothered anymore. I didn't want to try to, like, wait it out, see if it was going to get better, all of that. I had a family to help feed and mm -hmm. so I just jumped back into what I knew was going to be lucrative forever, and that was hair. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to go to Paul Mitchell School, Atlanta, because okay. we moved to Atlanta. And I was behind the chair. 
it just it just wasn't enough for me. It was too repetitive. Mm-hmm. The same blowouts every day, pressing hair, curling hair. It's just, just the repetitive. It's just the same. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't filled. It wasn't giving me the joy and the satisfaction that I needed to stay at it. And so I'm a lover of fashion and all things pretty. Mm-hmm. So I, I really wanted to be on the fashion and campaign side because there was a big space there that didn't include us. Yeah. That didn't include our hair. It didn't include 3A, 3B, 3C, 4A, 4B, 4C. It didn't include any of that mm-hmm. unless, you know, the girl was very, very African and you shaved all of her hair off. Right. Or you did like some wild out of the box. Uh, Afrocentric from the motherland hairstyle. Yeah, all all the stereotypical Grace Jones kind of, you know, flat top, shaved sides, yep. Type hair. It was was still nothing very glamorous, very red carpet-esque. Nothing that embodied generational wealth Mm. on the red carpets or in those pages of Vogue Mm -hmm. or the backstages or the runway of Chanel. Yeah that included the greatness and the richness of what our, our hair can do. Right. And I wanted to be, I wanted to foster that. that. That's always where my head was. I wanted to, I wanted to be ahead of that. Yep. And so that, so I, that's what I started doing. That's what I wanted to do. And so I was test shooting every single week. I would do like four test shoots a week. Okay. And then we started submitting these test shoots for, you know, editorial consideration. And so that's how I started picking up more editorials. Mm. Um, And then I started, you know, inboxing and, you know, and DMing, like, really great hairdressers. Yeah. And Tippy was one of them. Nice. Um, And she started an agency. And so she inboxed me back and asked me if I would be interested. And I was like, absolutely. In joining the agency? And joining the agency. She okay. wanted me on her board. That's how you do it. It's how you yeah. build a community and build a tribe, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so she imparted that, that in me. And I, I knew nothing of mm. celebrity hair. She gave me my first celebrity clients. She did. Who was that? Tippy. Uh, Tippy gave me my first celebrity clients. I did Sierra. Sierra. Uh-huh. I did Wanda Sykes, whom I love dearly, and we still work together. Oh, so good. She must give you so many laughs. Yeah. Uh, she sent me uh, Naomi Harris. I did the movie uh, Southpaw with oh, Naomi Harris nice. because of her. Um, so, yeah, like she really in, she really inserted me into mm-hmm. the world of celebrity. I was not a part of that world. It wasn't on my radar in the first place. Um, so, listen, I'm going to say, first of all... It's amazing because you're answering so many of my the questions that I have um, planned for you, oh, like all in that. No, but it's good. No, don't apologize. It's perfect because one of the things that we'll touch on in, you know, in a little bit is mentorship. And it sounds like Tippy was an incredible mentor for you. Um, and definitely, you know, whether officially or unofficially, right? Um, right. She she's cl- definitely a sister in beauty for me. Yeah. Like she's- I can definitely see that. Okay. So, so clearly in terms of like self-belief, self-belief, right? Like part of believing in yourself is developing the skill set, you know, clearly doing hair is a very creative thing. It's a talent, right? 
mm-hmm. you clearly took some steps to hone that skill set along the way. So it sounds like rather than rather than asking you the question in, t- in part of what you have just said, like one of the examples was you did test shoots every single week and you would reach out to, you know, other established stylists stylists in the industry to send them your work and get connected so is there anything aside anything else aside from you know the weekly um test shoots that you did that really helped you develop your skill set in creative styling when it comes to hair yeah um so i would take and it's gonna sound so bad oh no uh, go for it sorry viewership um <laughs> <laughs> I would go through like editorials that included basically only white people mm-hmm. from Europe, never American, never, never American, because I just feel like we always do things last. Mm. So I was only looking up inspiration from Europe and from Asia. Okay. And from Africa. Yep. As inspiration. And I would get my behind the chair clients to let me practice or play with some of the, those looks as inspiration on their hair when they uh-huh. come to see me or the girls from like, cause I used to do everybody's hair at Spelman and at Clark Atlanta. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I would go like to their, uh, to their picnics and to like their open sets uh-huh. on Wednesdays on the campus. And that's how I got my business. I would do $50 sew-ins. And I was literally mm-hmm. doing like four, five, and six sew-ins a day. Jeez. Because I got so fast. At first, I was so slow. Uh-huh. It would take me all day to do a sew-in. And I got really quick at it. Wow. Well, I bet you're not doing $50 sew-ins anymore. I'm not, but I made six figures my first year with my license doing $50 sew-ins and press out. What? Yes. <laughs> If that isn't inspiring to someone listening right now, um, I don't know if the rest of the interview will be. You may as well switch off. (laughs) That's amazing. And for somebody who had like struggles in terms of, you know, confidence and all of that, you really did put yourself out there, Naivasha. Yeah, I did. You did? I did. So how important was feedback to you? I'm really curious to just understand how the, the, the feedback culture plays in your um, in what you do today? Um, the feedback culture can, the feedback culture can be a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Talk to um, us about that. Sometimes, sometimes the feedback culture can bring me to a place of such anxiety and, and brokenness that it makes me feel like I'm no longer worthy. Whereas I would have felt like really great about what just happened Mm -hmm. and then you dive into the feedback and it just it takes you to a place of it just takes you to a deep dark place where you just either can't stop crying or you pick yourself apart Mm -hmm. or both Mm -hmm. or you just feel like this is like a viral effort so Um, yeah I think I think the most recent for me, um, was when the cover of American Vogue was released mm-hmm. with Simone Biles on the cover. Oh yeah, a couple things. A couple things. The beauty of it is that I've waited my entire career for that moment, 
And the beauty of it is that I'm the second black female in the history of Vogue, of American Vogue, to have a cover. Mm. And So that's big. And that opportunity or that, that feeling of pride and 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 feeling of accomplishment was snatched away a little bit or really a lot bit when black America basically body slammed the cover. Wait, did I miss a whole thing? What happened? What are people What what happened? Simone Biles is on the cover of of the August issue of American Vogue. Which I thought looked great. So what's the problem? Mm -hmm. It was shot by Annie Leibovitz. Mm -hmm. Our community, black culture, basically body slammed it to the core because of the lighting. They didn't feel like the makeup was great. They feel like she should have used a black person for hair. Um, But most of them, like, I'm, like, super black with, like, super black children who all have either 4A or 4C hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one kid in the house who has 4A. But nevertheless, like, we're all, like, incredibly black over here. Um, and they just ripped it to smithereens. And there are also some black beauty bloggers and black fashion bloggers that helped escalate that perspective and that theory. And that really hurt me. It really, really hurt me because I felt like it was a missed opportunity that I'd waited my entire career for Mm -hmm. that just blew up in smokes right before my eyes. Yeah. I hear that. And I don't don't know if professionally I felt that level of hurt before. It's crazy because, I mean, we talk about it as black Twitter, right? Which is essentially is like black, like black social media, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it must be really, really tough. I mean, I always say it must be incredibly tough for creatives out there, like who create beautiful art, you know, and you put it out there for the world to enjoy and you get black Twitter, you get, you know, the cancel culture as it's called that literally obliterate, you know, the, the piece of art that, you know, you spent so much time and, you know, that you envisioned, um, to put out there. It must be so hard not to read the comments, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how you guys do it. Um, yeah, it's like you go to sleep reading the comments and when you wake up, your phone is laying next to you and you're still reading more comments. Mm-hmm. And it's like the level of, of hate and, and disgust and criticism that went into the judgment of that cover and everything, every page that was within that issue it was it was heartbreaking. But here, here's a question that I I would ask you: like, if you could go back in time and change anything about that cover, that look, is there anything that you would change? No. There you go. So because you got, her hair was very beautiful. It was. It was. It was very her. Yep. It didn't look like she just left out of the salon chair. No. Um, it's it moving in like it. It was heavier oil. It was just beautiful. It, it was. was so, you know, though I understand some of the um, criticism, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not my place 
to go telling a photographer what images they should choose or how yeah. they should edit it or that's out of your hands. That's not that's not my place to do. Mm-hmm. However, when you put it into full on perspective, that photographer's aesthetic is that photographer's aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you look through her through her body of work, it's all the same. Is it flattering for everybody? No. But it's all the same. She's very much who she is. Yeah. As as an artist, just like I'm who I am as an artist. Exactly. You know, people, people. The way I break, just the way I break. Simple yeah. as that. I'm sorry that I don't break like um, <laughs> so and so. I don't break like Toomey. I don't break like the braid lady at the braid shop, or I don't break like my daughter. Right. Or I don't break like you know like my my fellow hairdressers. Mm-hmm. I braid like Navasha. Right. And I'm I'm happy with the way that I braid. I like a messy braid. I like a braid that looks like you did it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's just my that's just like my thing. Yep. I I love messy um I like messy hair. Yep. Yep. I totally hear you. I totally hear you. Um so okay, so that was feedback. So interesting because you took that question more as um or maybe I should say you answered that question more from an angle of like um you know, social media consumers but I would like to know, like, how important is it feedback to you, I guess, from your peers? If we keep it in the world of, like, professional, uh, is, is that of value to you? Like, hearing what your peers think about your work? Because, you know, it's part of self-belief, right? We already talked about, you know, um, knowing that you have a talent, right? And then going ahead and developing that skill set, doing your test shoots, reaching out to stylists, um, doing those $50 weaves, honing your skill, right? And um, now we're talking about like the part that speaks to how am I doing? Like I'm doing all this great stuff. I'm creating, I'm putting myself out there. Now I want to know how I'm doing. I know you're not necessarily, you know, gung-ho about what, black Twitter is saying, I mean, of course we read them, you see them and it does affect, you know, how you feel, but coming from the professional world, other hairstylists, how important is, how do you get feedback from them about that helps you understand how you're doing? Um, to be honest, <clears throat> and it's not, this is not even egotistical or or being big-headed, mm-hmm. I don't really know that that matters to me as much okay. as as what consumers think. Oh. However, I feel a sense of pride when my colleagues um, celebrate me. It feels good. Mm-hmm. It feels like a family member is saying, good job, sis good job because you know mm-hmm. I'm proud of you that feels so good because it's like they're, it's like my family wrapping their arms around me so that's that's what I feel when I get feedback either way either good or bad from my peers or if they if one of my makeup artist friends say I don't know Navasha about that I, I think I think it's off a little bit here or maybe you should do this or that mm-hmm. or you probably shouldn't have done that Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with that because again, it's coming from a place of a family. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, makes a difference. Yeah. It, it makes a difference. However, on the flip side of that, what consumers and what potential clients or even clients think 
matters to me a little bit more because okay. that's how that's how I make my money. Um, so yeah, that matters to me a little bit more because that's how I further book. That's how mm-hmm. I stay relevant. Like it's, it's important to me. It's a little bit more important to me what editors think, what, mm-hmm. like I said, potential clients think, consumers think, um, people like in your space, like directors, think that that matters to me mm-hmm. just a little bit more than what my my beauty family thinks because they're going to love me regardless all right let's go back to mentorship I know we talked about Tippy. she is such a wealth of knowledge and she's incredibly approachable and her craft she's is just a wealth of everything isn't she's she just, but she's she humble is. with it too and she's so humble like girl who are you yeah <laughs> Are you some type of superhuman that's been put here to make our lives so much better? Like, who are you right now? But it's just people like her that keep you grounded, right? Like, Mm -hmm. really keeps you grounded and makes you realize that you can be successful, you could be well-known, but you don't have to be, you know, like, unapproachable. You know, one of the things that I do enjoy watching with her and this is aside from her being like this, this hyper professional. Mm-hmm. Watching how she balances professional life and her family is so um, is so gratifying. Yeah, and it's so telling, and it's such a teachable moment every time she makes a post that's not about the industry. It's uh-huh, about right? yeah. balancing the industry and family mm-hmm. and as a woman with a family uh, and particularly as a single woman, even though she's married, but for me as a single woman and watching her balance that life so well mm-hmm. is kind of instructional to be yeah. quite honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. She does it in a way where, and I don't know, like it, who knows, it could be a struggle for her and it may not be a struggle for her, but she does it at least that to me, it seems so effortless. It seems as though... It does. It seems so grateful. Yeah, yeah it really does. And you can tell it's a priority for her. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, because, because I'm not super social and because I'm, bit of a, I'm a bit of an introvert, I don't tend to share and... Mm you know, interact with very many people. So that's part of the reason why she would be the only person that I would consider, you know, in a mentorship space in my life Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm not sociable anyways. And then also I didn't get an opportunity to really like assist and have a mentor to help show me the way because of my age and where I was Mm -hmm. in my life when I jumped into this side of things. Okay. You know, I was already married a long time, like like over a decade with five children and, you know, a life and a lifestyle and kind of already set in my ways about how I choose to operate and move. I wasn't in that youthful space or the youthful, mm-hmm. youthful state of my life where I was into like assisting or into like, you know, shadowing someone heavily. 
mm-hmm. to say the least. So a lot of the things that I learned, I learned along the way, just with trial and error and like bumping my head or, you know, and making mistakes or, yeah. you know, trying it out and it being a win the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was really more of that. And Tippy just happened to end up being like this blessing in my life from a virtual standpoint. It was, mm. it was a long time before I actually saw her physically. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, we had already been working together for quite some time before we actually physically met. Mm. That's amazing. And that's what social media kind of does, right? Like you, you, you gain a sense of community already, like prior to even actually meeting, meeting them. <laughs> And it's like Absolutely. you meet them and you feel like you know everything about them. You're like, oh my God, how are the kids? I... Yes. <laughs> exactly. Listen, so you talk about like trial and error, right? Because you went so social to like build up your, you know, assisting other stylists, et cetera. So you, you learn along the way. But if you were to give any tips to stylists out there who are looking for mentorship, um, like going through what you went through and how you went through it, what would you say is the best way maybe not the best way, but how would you advise other stylists to approach other stylists for mentorship? To be honest, I think, A, I think assisting is very important. Yeah. Although I don't think it's the end all be all. Okay. I really don't. I think, I think your image on social matters. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a lot of people who disagree with me on that. I think your image on social media really matters because for me, that's one of the first things that I look at. Yeah. I mean, same here. Yeah. Like if I'm going to work with a stylist or if I want to book someone for a shoot or something in the first place, I'm not going to websites. I'm going to your mm-hmm. Instagram page specifically. Yeah. Because I want to see who you are. Yeah. Well, I want to see who you are and I want to see the, the work you, you are create. Your guard is down. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to, I want to see who you are when you're just, when you're chilling and when you are not in work mode and, you know, or when you're upset or how you rant, you know, or, you know, what your style of conflict management is, you know, we don't yeah. like something that someone has done to you, whether it's another so- social media person or whether it's a person in your life. Like yeah. I really, I want to see how you move. And the only way I can really tap into that without asking you and you lie to me is by me going on your social media and looking at your tags and looking mm-hmm. at, um, you know, look at who's tagging you and, you know, mm-hmm. the people that you surround yourself with. I know that sounds really judgy, but because of who we work with, be it celebrity or designer or, you know, magazine editor, we have to be very careful who we bring into the fold mm-hmm. because those people are a reflection of, of me. It's a reflection of you. It's, it, it's, it's a reflection. And so we have to be very careful when we bring people in. Makes sense. And so that's why I feel like your social, your social media presence is very important and your work ethic is, is to me is more important than your skill set because yeah. I can teach you what you don't know. But I can't teach you. I can't, I can't home train you. Right. <laughs> Who wants to anyway? Right. Like, I don't feel like home training you. Right. <laughs> that should have happened a long time before you mm-hmm. <laughs> meeting, meeting somebody that Absolutely. you plan to, to work with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Naivasha, so what do you wish you knew before starting this industry? Hmm. 
creatively or like anything it could be absolutely anything like if somebody could have warned you or if there was something that you can kind of go back in time and redo I wish I, I, wish I had studied more you wish you had studied more yeah I wish I had studied um the history of fashion the history of photography mm. the history of uh and the origin of hair I wish I had been more academically more academic and more scholarly um about not only our industry but mm -hmm. our culture mm. and and the African culture before I'd gotten into this business how do you think that would um how do you think your career to date would have would look different I, I I think I would look more yeah I would still be in an expert position but I feel like I would have more to say mm -hmm. and more to bring to the table mm. you're a student right now no at Harvard University I am, I am. so look at you getting your 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 uh, academic <laughs> on in business communications too why yeah. I mean not why in a bad way but why because, why that because I'm uncomfortable speaking amongst other scholars mm, okay it, it's the, it's that it's still that inner child and that the inner insecurity in me that makes me feel like the person sitting next to me is not necessarily smarter than me is that that they know how to articulate it better than me and it's my fear of being able to public publicly speak that creates um the perception of i don't know what i'm talking about yeah yeah Wow. Do you know what? And it's funny because we've met a couple times. Um, I remember our lovely dinner one evening in Paris where we got to know mm -hmm. each other a little bit more. And, you know, obviously it's seeing you briefly at the Texture Beauty Jam. And, you know, yes. we had a nice chat, you know, the very first time I met you, which was last May, I think we, we were, Mazzani was doing a photo shoot <laughs> and you popped down for that. So it's, it's interesting because it's this conversation that you and I are having right now where I'm realizing we actually have so much in common that I didn't know before. We're both introverts. Mm -hmm. We both do not like talking in public. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, is one of the reasons why I set up the Texture Lounge, because it's my way of getting comfortable with speaking. Uh -huh. um, and you're improving that through your you know, degree at you know, Harvard and learning business communications. We both have musical backgrounds. I wasn't yeah, supposed to be really? working in music. Feel yeah. It to me. Feel it right now. Feel, feel, feel. I want to hear it. Listen, I don't even know how I'm working in beauty. Like, when I was growing up, I was very musical, right? So I'm classically trained on the piano. Um, I was a songwriter. I have books and books and books of songs, um, melodies um, wow. that I was writing pretty much most nights. Then it got to the point of when I had to choose what degree I was going to study, right? So I ended up studying uh, music technology because I was like, I'm writing and making all these songs and composing piano um, melodies to go with them. Now I actually want to make and produce music. Right. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So I got involved. I was in the studio for three years, you know, what and like all the like all the students were men. Like they were all white men and there's little old me <laughs> working alongside them and forming bands and, you know, being in the studio and producing my songs that I used to write in my notebooks and hearing it like back at me was amazing. Um and then I realized, okay, I don't really want to be 
I don't want to be the person in front of the microphone, right? Or behind the microphone. I'm more interested in the business of music. So I took that and I did a master's degree in music business management, which was incredible because it opened my my eyes to the world of um, music business, music finance, music law, music marketing, like all the different functions of what it takes to 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 work in the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for the full year, and that got me into Universal Music. You know, I worked in the record industry with Universal for close to five years. Um, oh. It's incredible. Like I, I thought, <laughs> I thought I was going to be writing songs for Alicia Keys, right? I'm not even joking. Like I literally oh, like, thought I that thought was. I my... was going to be singing jazz forever. Uh, you know, I worked in classics and jazz. Wow. Yeah, that was my. I don't know how I ended up at L'Oreal. <laughs> <laughs> I was. A, I, I have always been. And that was, that's the thing is that with the work that I do now, I do a lot of um, presenting and launching products and, you know, all that good stuff. But it's like, I'm a creator. I write, I make stuff. I make stuff look and sound pretty. Like I'm not, it's not a part of my day-to-day work in what I do now. So I'm constantly looking for things that make me feel how I used to feel when I used to create, right? So super interesting. We have a lot in common. So yes, we do. Yep. <laughs> yep. I Incredible. love it. So if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Ah, oh, look, look, who's getting interviewed now. Um, <laughs> if I wasn't doing, if I wasn't working in beauty right now, what would I be doing? Hmm. I wasn't prepared for this one. I think, wow, I've been put on the spot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would be so listen the thing with music is that the music industry itself is nowhere near as exciting as it was prior to like um it's it's just not the same anymore you know it's very mechanical it's not so creative and I'm talking about the business of music um Um, the creative the creative side either really I'm not surprised to be honest yeah so it's not the same see that's so for me I'm just like I I it, I don't know if it would be music, at least not the way it was. I love doing yeah, this. Me either. I think for me, if I weren't in the beauty space, mm-hmm. I would probably be either a florist mm. or I would be in the wine business. Oh, yes. I like both. Thi- I like both mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah, I have an obsession with wine and an obsession with flowers. It's like my thing that I, I love. love. I love. I didn't know about the florist thing or mm-hmm. the wine thing even. So that's super yeah. interesting. I need to think about what mine would be. I tell you, like, people call me the chief vibe curator, right? Like, that's become... <laughs> because I love I love creating vibes. Like, even in my own home, like, you know, interior design and working on certain corners of my home and making that corner look really pretty or, you know, mm-hmm. I love aromatherapy. So like working with essential, uh, essential oils. I'm just, I don't yeah. know what you call that though, but mm, I need to think about that. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, I've had you on here for quite a while and we've deviated to such great places. So I don't want to keep you too much longer. This I have a great. I have a few more questions for you, though. Um, I'll keep it short. I'm going to cut some of these out. Um, wellness. 
right? Because I think that during, specifically during quarantine, we've all been like looking inwardly, trying to like, we've, we've been doing a lot of reflecting, a lot of self-care, all of that. Um, can you tell me the last time you pat yourself on the back and why? And please tell me there's, there's an example of that. I, listen, I, I want to pat you on the back for something right now, actually. Let me, let me give you my two cents. Okay. Um, your recent feature in Allure magazine. Do you know that's our, we had the exact same pat on the back moment. Really? Yes. It was gorgeous. And you in that Faye Noel outfit. I love Faye Noel's designs. I love her designs. Her work is everything. It is, right? Yeah. That's that's actually what I was going to say. What What is it about it then? What that is it about that is, moment? That's my most recent pat on the back. I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so grateful that that happened. And I felt so beautiful. You absolutely and so are like myself in that outfit. Oh, it's amazing how choosing the things that we wear, the fabrics we wear, we wear, um, mm-hmm. can make us. It can either make you super comfortable or completely not yourself. And more, more importantly, that was the first day, the absolute first day that I exposed my gray hair. So it gave me the space and the opportunity. Mm-hmm to reveal a little bit of myself. I've been gray since I was 18. Okay. And I've never, I've never shown it or revealed it. And, um, I felt so proud mm-hmm. and so good about sharing it. And I don't think I will ever cover my gray again. Yes. I'm a big fan of grays. I really yeah, am. I'm, I'm, I'm and ha- other black hairdresser with a head full of hair who's, who's doing that. So it also sets Mm. me apart. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't look old. And you don't. And you don't. Listen, you looked beautiful in that feature. I loved the words, the write-up. I loved the way you presented yourself. That image of you kind of like right by the window with the, with the, the Faye Noel outfit, like just stunning. And it felt natural. Yeah, it felt so good. And then to do it in my home, that was even better. Because oh. it was just, it was all about me at that moment, yeah. at that moment. And that was the first time that something so big was just about me being me. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it kind of ties back to this topic, this whole art of self-belief. And now you have that moment captured in, in print. Um, yeah. Something for you to always remember. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Are there any rituals that you that you love that keep you grounded? Yes. Um, I'm a candle burner. Mm. Yes, um, me too. Okay, another yeah. thing we have in common. <laughs> yeah. I just went I just I just went and pulled out some cash because this afternoon I gotta go get some more candles because I burned them all out. So I gotta <laughs> go get some more candles. Okay. Um, I absolutely love candles. That's one of my rituals. Mm-hmm. And I pray. Like I have to, otherwise I will feel so lost and like I'm walking around without a map. Mm. And so I pray in the morning and okay. I pray at night. Okay. Um, and I, I have to like talk to myself periodically to remind myself to be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to, yeah. it's so easy to forget. 
it's so easy to forget and social media is a big catalyst to help you forget. Oh, totally. Listen, so beauty essentials, okay, we both work in, in the world of beauty. Like, have there been any beauty or skincare treats that kind of make you feel special? Yes, facials. Yes. I love, I'm all about my skin. Yeah, yeah. Now I've gotten into this thing where I get lasered. So now I get my entire body lasered. Oh, you do? Um, because I just want my skin to be beautiful and chocolate all over mm. and very healthy. Yep. So it's like getting my body lasered getting my constant treatments mm -hmm. on my skin. Um, I have two. And only doing it with black girls. Yes. yes. Sorry, yes. black boys, but only doing it with black girls. Mm -hmm. So um, I have Vanessa Mark who lasers for me. I have Hazel, um, the beauty RN who does my skin, and uh, Tanya Thomas another black girl who does my skin. Amazing. I am big on my skin because I just want to keep that, that youthful look. Yeah. Particularly if I want to continue to be in front of the camera, mm -hmm. I just want to look my best because if I look my best, I'll film my best mm -hmm. and I'll be able to give my best. Absolutely. Yeah. That's again, skincare is so important because it's, you know, the makeup is all good, right? And I'm not really a big makeup person, personally. I'm not a big makeup person either. There you I'm go. Not. There you go. It's just that it's so important for me and clearly for you that the base, the foundation, our skin mm -hmm. is right, right? Like, and the day that I decide to wear makeup, you're going to be like, whoa, wow. Like, exactly. I can't look like that every day or otherwise there'll never be those moments. <laughs> yeah. And to me, if my skin is is sitting really well, yeah. all I need is a red lip, yeah, and 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 my lash extensions, and I'm fine. Yeah, and you're good to go, like minimal. Yeah, I don't even comb my hair; I just let it go wild and crazy. Your hair's just awesome. It I love, I love looking at it. It's just thank you. Everything, honestly, so much movement. I'm a big fan of movement, and there's this there's this preconception that textured hair doesn't move, right? Like it has been in the past, and I think that. In general, like, I mean, it's that is so wrong. It is the wrongest thing ever. Like, if hair it's so is, wrong. yeah, it's crazy. It's like, whose hair are you looking at? You know, to yeah. to, to, to say that. Mine and Tumi's because our hair moves. Yeah, our hair moves for sure. Our hair does yeah. move. Know that. Are there any black businesses that you want to amplify right now that you love? Yeah, yeah. Um, and beauty. And fashion or anything. Like, it could be candles, it could be food, it could be beauty, it could be fashion, anything. Yes. Um, for fashion. Um, most of my shoes come from Brother Valley's. Oh my god, big fan. The genius little brilliant pretty girl creator of Brother Valley's is my really, really good friend. Aurora James. Aurora James. Mm -hmm. And she's my friend and she's my client and she's on the cover of American Vogue yes. for September. I'm incredibly proud of her, mm -hmm. but before she was doing all those things, I was still wearing Brother Valley's. Mm -hmm. um, I have on a pair of Brother Valley socks right now. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh, but so am I. I'm wearing the oat milk ones. <laughs> this is crazy. Get yeah. out of my head and my wardrobe. <laughs> I have on a pair of powder pink Brother Valley socks. Nice. Uh, They're so comfy, aren't they? Super cozy. They're so comfy. I love Brother Valley's. I love Finoel because yeah. Finoel makes me feel sexy, mm -hmm. womanly, and rich. Mm. Yes. And let's see. And and Elliot. Elliot uh, is by Jason Rembert. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Jason Rember is a black stylist who styles like Issa Rae mm-hmm. and um, Michael B. Jordan. Just all of these incredibly amazing black excellent people. He styles them. Mm-hmm. And he has a beautiful, beautiful line called Elliot. And I'm just I'm just a big fan. I'm a big fan. I'm a big supporter. He can have my dollar. Venus right. Noel can have my dollar. Yeah. Um, Brother Bellies can have my dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I support those guys. I um I mean we've already talked about Finoel. I I I just adore her work and just the branding. I'm a big brand person in terms of like brand yeah. creation. And then just, just like the image of her. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yes. just so feminine and so graceful, yet yeah. so stylish. And yeah. um it's really body positive too. Incredibly so. I she's you know, she's on my radar so so much and she has been for a while and I, she's definitely somebody I'd love to to get on here. So I'll, I'll probably I'll I'll be reaching out to her for sure because just the way she makes us feel with her creations. I know. Right. I just it's want to talk to her about it. When I got ready to shoot Allure, we were trying to you know they were sending me inspiration for what mm-hmm. to wear. Yeah. And they were like, okay, we'll take some images of what you have in your closet. And I purchased some things from Nigeria when I was there, and mm. had some other like. Cool, cool pieces that I got from like uh, the south of France. Nice. And I showed them all that stuff. They're like, "Oh my God, we love this. We love that. You know, you, you should wear that." Mm-hmm. And then they sent me their inspiration too. I was like, "Yeah." Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I said, "No, I want to wear Finoel." And they're like, "Well, we don't have it. They don't have it in your size. They have like sample sizes. Like, I don't care. I'll pay for it." Mm-hmm. I went to her website. And I bought all three pieces plus some more stuff. I was like, I don't care. I want to wear yeah. what what women who look like me don't think that we could wear because I didn't think I could wear it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, so inspiring. So inspiring. <laughs> Naivasha, before I let you go, what is final messages? What is the one thing you want to leave my listeners with? To practice loving on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a daily ritual and it's so much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning every day. And once you learn to love yourself, and I mean really learn to love yourself, other people will fall in line. And okay. it'll show up through your work, it'll show up mm-hmm. through um, your experiences, it'll show up through other people's experience around you. So loving yourself is the biggest giveaway that I could give anyone. So you've got to give us a few examples of how you're loving on yourself, just in case there are people out there who want to do it, but don't even know where to start. Um, Sitting alone and walking up to my mirror, which I never had mirrors in my bedroom before, but I do now. Mm. This is how much I didn't love myself. I didn't have mirrors Mm. in my bedroom. My fascia. I never owned a full a full body mirror before until four months ago. Wow. So now I have three full body mirrors in my room, one next to my bed and one next to my closet. There you go. And one as soon as you walk in my bedroom door, because I, I need to see myself when I walk in the door. Mm-hmm. I need to see myself before I go to bed and when I get out of it. Yep. And I need to see see myself once I put my clothes on and feel good about every single move I make in my room. I love that. That's powerful. 
Just looking yeah. at yourself. Mm -hmm. You got to look at yourself and say, hey, you got the juice. You can do this. You got the juice. <laughs> I like that. Juice. I might even need to make that the episode <laughs> title here. <laughs> you got the juice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, my giveaway. And where can my listeners find you? They can find me at Navasha INTL. That's Navasha International, but international for short. Mm -hmm. Navasha N A I V A S H A I N T L on Instagram. I will tag your handle in the show notes for this. Navasha, you've been such a light on this episode. You've really taken us through, you know, your journey of you know, how you began to believe in yourself and some real concrete steps and incredible, like your ability to open up this door and allow us to take a peek inside into your world has been such a treasure today. So listen, thank you, thank you so much for being a part of thank the Texture Lounge. This felt good. It felt good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to sit on the balcony all weekend long. Oh, I love it. Drink some wine. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so thank you for today. I really appreciate it. It's so good. I can't wait until it's edited so I can share yes, it with the world. And with, yes. And on my page. Thank and, you. Um, and see what the rest of the year is going to bring us. I know. Let's stay positive. <laughs> Indeed. All right, love. We'll talk soon. Uh -huh.